Good morning. Um, I really am thankful to be here with you. Uh, This is one of my favorite passages of scripture, and so I was really excited that this is the one I was going to get to share with you this morning. Uh, But first, um, thought you should know a little bit about me. Like like Scott said, we've been friends forever. I am from Dallas. That is where I live. And um, I was thinking as I was getting ready for this trip about the first time I ever came to Colorado. And I was actually in the eighth grade, and I was going on a church ski trip with my best friend, Shannon. I was going with her youth group, and we went to a little ski resort that I hear has become a little bit famous maybe around here, maybe a little bit to talk of the town. We, I actually went to Vail, was the first place I ever came in Colorado. So it should have been Crested Butte. I'm sorry, but I did go to Vail for the first time. Uh, but I was really excited about this trip because, one, I was going skiing. I was going with my best friend. And there was a cute boy on this trip. His name was Randy, and I may or may not have had a little crush on him. So, I mean, really, that's great, right? So this was going to be my first time in Colorado, my first time to go skiing, and my first time stepping into the world of ski fashion. And so I brought a couple of pictures to show you how awesome that was. Um, That is me with my friend Shannon with my elephant earmuffs which I did actually wear on the slopes. So you're probably going to want to try to do that um, this ski season. Even better, though, wait for this. Moon boots, right? Um, You might be able to buy a pair of those on eBay somewhere. I don't know. Um, So clearly I was going to be a spectacular skier uh, based on that. But So we got to Colorado, and first morning, it was great. Plan was, never done this before, I was going to go to ski school. Well, plans change. Cute boy and some of his friends said, you don't need to go to ski school. Just come with us. We'll teach you how to ski. Well, I'd like to think I'm smarter than that, uh, but apparently not because Shannon and I decided to ditch ski school and we followed the boys. And so they teach us how to get on the lift. Again, I've never done this before, but we finally figured that out. And we get to the top of the mountain And no one has really explained anything to me. So I don't know that the different signs have different colors and that means something. I just know that I'm standing on the top of a slope with a lovely blue sign next to it. And the guys are saying, okay, this is where we're going to ski. And so they taught me how to hold my skis, how to turn, what to do if I fell. And I really think my lesson took all of five minutes. And then they said, okay, you're ready to go. Okay, so they started down the mountain, and I started down after them. And you know what? I actually didn't do too badly. I went really, really slowly. I did fall a lot, but different from Scott, um, I don't have far to fall, so it wasn't a terrible thing. Um, And I actually made it down to the bottom in one piece. And then I did that the rest of the day. I really only skied blue slopes my whole first day of skiing. It was pretty amazing. Well, that night, we're back at the condo, and some of the parents are cooking dinner for us. I was sitting on a couch with my friend Shannon and a couple of other girls. We were sitting in front of the fire trying to get warm. Cute boy Randy, he decides to do the gentlemanly thing, and he walks out on the patio to get some more firewood to put on the fire. And he picks up the piece of firewood in these clippers. They kind of look like giant scissors. I don't know if you have those. I don't have any of those in Dallas, but he picks them up and I really don't know what happened, but somehow as he was walking behind the couch where I was sitting, 
Somehow he lost his balance and he dropped the piece of firewood and it landed directly on my head and knocked me out cold. Um, Paramedics came. I had a concussion. Um, My first time ever in Colorado, my first time skiing, I get a concussion while sitting on a couch. It was pretty amazing. Um, It was pretty amazing. So definitely not my best day. And in fact, the worst part of the whole story was not that I got a concussion. It was that cute boy, Randy, was so embarrassed by the whole thing that he refused to talk to me for the rest of the trip. So um, it was definitely a bad day. Um, And you know what? Um, This story this morning, that story is pretty funny, but we're going to look at the story of a one who actually had 12 years of bad days. And and that's hard for me to imagine. But let me pray for us as we jump into our scripture. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. um, And I thank you for this passage of scripture that just shows us um, more about who you are. And so, Father, I pray that um, I will get out of the way and that you will speak clearly through me um, to our hearts this morning and what you want us to hear about who you are. Um, And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So it says, a large crowd followed and pressed against him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So this woman, she had this condition and the religious leaders had declared that she was unclean. She wasn't just sick. She didn't just feel bad. She was considered unclean. That meant that she wasn't around, allowed to be around people ever. Um, she couldn't live with her family. She couldn't go to lunch with her friends. In fact, if she walked where there were people, if she were to walk into this room right now, she would have to announce herself so that people could get out of the way because they didn't want to be in, unclean too by being in her presence. And um, so this woman was considered unclean and couldn't be around people. So let's put ourselves in her shoes this morning. How do you think she felt most days? Probably pretty lonely, depressed, invisible, left out. I think she probably had a pretty sad life. Very lonely. And you know what? Maybe some of us in this room this morning, we know what that feels like. Maybe not for the same reasons, but we know what that feels like. And it says that she wanted to get well. And so it says she tried everything. She went to doctor after doctor after doctor. She spent every dime that she had. But instead of getting better, she actually got worse. And so now she's not just lonely and invisible. I I think she's anxious. I think she's exhausted. This woman is living 12 years of bad days. But it tells us that she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. And we don't know what it is that she heard, but whatever it was, it was enough for her to think, you know what? I'm going to brave that crowd. I'm going to go somewhere that I don't belong. And I'm going to reach out for Jesus. And really this woman was so desperate. What really did she have to lose? And so that's what happened. It says, when she heard about Jesus, She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. What doctors hadn't been able to do for 12 years, Jesus took care of just like that. She was healed and she knew it. She could feel it in her body. 
But I think what's so interesting about this miracle, I know you've been looking at some miracles, is this is really a quiet miracle. There are no words spoken. She doesn't go to Jesus out loud and say, will you help me? She really doesn't even, it's not even really a prayer in her head. She just has this thought that if I touch Jesus and Jesus doesn't say a word, but this miracle happens. She knows that she's been healed. And so I wonder if this woman, after she touches Jesus and she knows she's been healed, if she doesn't just try to melt back into the crowd. If she just thinks, okay, now I can just go and live my life happily ever after. But you know what? That's not the end of the story. Because as great as it was that she was healed, I think we're gonna, what we're going to discover is that's not what she needed most. And Jesus knew that. Because it says that once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. I wonder what that was. was that, did he feel a little zap or I don't know. I like to think about things like that. Um, it says, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Jesus says, who touched me? And his friends say, are you kidding, Jesus? Look at this crowd. The better question is, who didn't touch you? But it says, Jesus kept looking. And I think we have to ask ourselves, why was it so important that Jesus find this woman? And I think there might've been two reasons. First of all, again, like I said, this was a quiet miracle. That crowd didn't know what had happened. And so maybe Jesus wanted to make sure that they didn't miss this. And so it says that he kept looking. He kept looking through this huge crowd of people. And I love imagining what that was like. And and maybe his eyes finally seeing hers and then making eye contact. And what was she feeling? Well, it tells us, it tells us that she was trembling with fear. Jesus spots her and she's trembling with fear. So what was she afraid of? Well, well, maybe she was worried that Jesus didn't like sneak attacks. Like, hey, I just snuck up and got myself a miracle. But I really think she was more afraid of being exposed to the crowd that day. The crowd didn't know she'd been healed. They didn't know she'd been healed. They would have just seen this woman gone. That is a woman who does not belong here. So I wonder if she was afraid afraid of being exposed. So Jesus kept looking. But you know what? Once he found her, he stopped what he was doing to be with her. As Scott said, if we read the passage right before this, we know that Jesus was actually on the way to heal the daughter of a really important person. We even know his name. His name was Jairus. This woman, we don't know her name. She's just some anonymous nobody who's been sick for 12 years. Nobody else would have given her the time of day. But Jesus kept looking for her. And then when he found her, he stopped what he was doing. He knew that this woman was valuable, that this woman was worth his time. And so it says, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. In Luke's um, version of the story, he says, in the presence of all the people, she told Jesus her story. She told Jesus her whole story. Jesus listened as she told him how miserable her life had been for 12 years, how desperate she'd been to get well. 
and how thrilled she was to be able to go home and be with her family and live her life again. She got to tell Jesus her whole story and he listened. And then Jesus said just a few words to her. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. He called her daughter. That's actually the only time in scripture that Jesus refers to someone specifically as a daughter. This woman who'd had no place to belong for 12 years. In that word, Jesus said, you matter. You belong with me. I love you. You count. He, and so I think that's the second reason why it was so important that Jesus find this woman. Yes, he wanted to make sure the crowd didn't miss it, but he also wanted to get face to face with this woman and let her know that she had been healed, that she belonged and that she mattered. You know what? I love, 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 love sharing this scripture with middle school kids because I love getting to tell them that they matter that the God of the universe says their story matters. I love getting to do that. But that's true for all of us in this room this morning. For all of us, our stories matter. And maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. Maybe that's what you need to hear, that you matter. But as I was studying this passage for this morning, I started thinking about the crowd that day. And I wondered, how did they walk away different because of that miracle, because of what they saw. Because really, if you think about it, they didn't benefit directly from that miracle. They, they didn't get to eat a whole bunch of fish and bread. Um, they didn't see the miracle with their own eyes. They didn't watch as a paralyzed man got up and started dancing. Um, they, they didn't see a giant storm disappear before their eyes. But Jesus wanted to make sure that they knew this miracle happened. And I think that's because Jesus wants people to know, he wanted people to know who God is. And in this encounter with an anonymous woman, Jesus showed the crowd the true character of God that day. They got to see the true character of God. Um, and here's what they saw that day. They saw Jesus keep looking. They saw Jesus keep looking. They didn't have any idea who he was looking for, but it was pretty clear that he was gonna keep looking until he found her. They saw Jesus keep looking. And then when he found her, they saw Jesus stop and spend time with someone that most of them wouldn't have given a second thought, wouldn't have given the time of day to. But they saw Jesus stop and be with this woman. Um, and you know what? Maybe when they realized who it was that he was looking for and who he'd stopped for, some of them might have even backed up a few steps. They might have recognized this woman and, and not realized she'd been healed and thought, Jesus, what are you doing? But they saw Jesus stop for this woman. And then they watched as Jesus listened to her story. I, I think they, they saw the tears as this woman poured out her story to Jesus, as she talked about how hard her life had been. And then I think that they saw the smile on her face when Jesus looked at her and called her daughter. They saw Jesus keep looking for someone. They saw him stop and they saw him listen. 
And so I don't know about the people in that crowd that day. Maybe some of them walked away skeptical. Maybe some of them confused. Again, they didn't see the miracle. But I wonder if some of them walked away less in awe of a dazzling miracle, like a lot of the crowds who watched Jesus do some pretty cool things. And if they walked away more in awe of the kind and compassionate heart of Jesus that they saw that day, that they got to see the true character of God. And you know what? I can't heal anybody. I'm not a doctor. I'm a wildlife leader. I can't heal anybody. But here's what I can do. I think I can follow Jesus' example in this story. And I wonder if that's what he has for all of us this morning. Are we willing to look around for the people in our past who are lonely, who don't think that their stories matter, who maybe have been told that their stories don't matter, or who just think that for themselves? I know there's been a lot of hurt in this community lately, um, and, and, and that's people thinking that their stories don't matter. Are we willing to keep looking for those people? Do we see the people who are lonely or desperate or exhausted, just like this woman was? You know, for me, that's why I've been a wildlife leader for the last 28 years, is because I think God has called me to reach out to middle school kids. I don't know if we have any middle school kids in the room. I love you, but I do think that you are the most overlooked and avoided group of people out there. And so I think God has called me to tell middle school kids that their stories matter. But what is that for you here in Crested Butte? Who are those people that God is calling you to keep looking for? Maybe it's people from out of town. They're in and out, and so really, I I don't need to worry about them. Maybe someone prayed this morning for, to, to, be, to get to know your neighbors. You know, maybe the people who feel different or lonely or cast out, maybe it's people who have different political views or, or different skin colors. Maybe there's someone who's exhausted because they're sick. We prayed for folks with cancer this morning. Maybe it's a, it's a single mom. Maybe it's a family going through a divorce. There are all kinds of people around us who are hurt and lonely and exhausted. And I think as believers, God calls us to be like Jesus and keep looking for them. And you know what? I think that if we ask God to give us the hearts and the eyes to see those people, I think that's a prayer that he'll answer pretty quickly. I really do. I really do. I think he'll answer that prayer pretty quickly. And you know what? That takes effort to keep looking because what it means is it means I have to take my eyes off myself and my immediate circumstances and I have to look up and look for those people around me. So we've got to keep looking, but then we've also got to stop. And I know for me personally, the looking part maybe isn't the hard part. I I can find those people. I can identify those people, but am I willing to stop? Do I have enough margin in my schedule that I can stop? I don't know about you, but I live a busy life back in Dallas. I have a job. I have a family. I have friends. And, oh, wow, wait, God, you want me to stop for that person? That, that's hard. I get that. But Jesus was on his way to help someone really important, and he stopped. I think we need to be willing to stop, too. And finally, we've got to be like Jesus, and we've got to listen. When was the last time you sat down and really listened to someone's story? Just listened. And then maybe after they shared, you got to tell them that their story mattered. Not because you say so, but because the God of the universe says so. That 
can make all the difference to someone. I think God wants us to keep looking. I think he wants us to stop. And I think he wants us to listen. And as I was thinking about this, um, for me personally, I was convicted. And on Tuesday, I actually went to a funeral in Dallas for a good friend um, who was 24 years old. And he was a young life leader who I'd known since he was 12. Um, Jackson became a leader when he was in college to a group of seventh graders. And those guys are now seniors in high school. And I just want to read you a little bit. Um, One of those seniors wrote a letter to the newspaper in Jackson's um, hometown talking about his friend. And he said this. He said, Jackson was my young life leader. When I met him in middle school, I had no friends. And I was getting bullied constantly. I had major depression and was nearing the end of my fuse. That's when Jackson walked up to me at a football game and introduced himself to me. He was my first friend that I had since I moved, and he meant a lot to me. Jackson lived his life like Jesus in that sense. He kept looking. He stopped, and he listened. And because of that, this guy, John, he has a relationship with Jesus. His life has been changed for eternity because Jackson was willing to do that for him. And so I'm challenged. How can I be more like that? And my last thought is this, is as, as we thought about this story, I, I looked a lot at the crowd, but I also want us to go back and think about that woman. And, and what if we fast forwarded a few decades? This is me completely making this up. This isn't in scripture. Um, but what if years later, she's sitting down with her grandkids and they're like, grandma, tell us the story. And she gets to go back and tell them about that really incredible day. And you know what? I think she told them about the miracle, about how she reached out for Jesus. But then I wonder if she wouldn't say, you know what? That was great. I got healed. But let me tell you the best part about that day. The best part was this. I was this lonely, exhausted, tired woman, and Jesus kept looking for me. Jesus kept looking for me. And when he found me, He stopped and he sat down and he listened to my story. I think maybe that's what she would share. Because you know what? That day, that woman knew that she mattered, that the God of the universe loved her because Jesus made that really clear. And so that's what I want to be as a person who does that for other people. I want to keep looking. I want to stop. I want to listen. And I hope that you'll do that with me. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this story of a woman who mattered. Nobody else thought she did, but Jesus did. And so, Father, I pray for us as followers of Jesus that we would be people who who keep looking, who stop, and who listen. And, Father, as we worship you this morning, we would be reminded that we matter because you say so. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.